glad I'm bound for that kingdom of the free, the blessed and the free. Um, soon my Jesus will be coming after me. And I'm, uh, I, I think different times, Lord, just come and get us. But then I think about them that I still want to see saved. Um, and that's, that's our, our burden this morning. Paul said my, my uh, prayer, prayer and desire for God for Israel is that they might be saved. And so, so that's my heart's desire is that for you to be saved this morning. Anything on your heart before we read some Scripture? I'll ask you to turn to Matthew chapter number 22. Matthew chapter 22, and I may read one verse in Isaiah 61. But I want to try to preach on what are you wearing. Um, and I don't, I don't, I'm not going to preach on um, wearing pants or anything like that. That ain't what I'm talking about. Um, speaking of what are you wearing, I was talking to these fine brethren down here a while ago and said we're about halfway surprised you didn't check the sanctuary after yesterday. But... Uh, I even wore orange today because I told Michelle I'm going to let them enjoy this for two weeks and then Kentucky comes to town. And If I know one thing, it's Kentucky football can ruin a good Saturday. So you've been warned. Strange things happen Halloween weekend. So uh, that'll be coming up in a few weeks. But what are you wearing is my thought. And I, I appreciate um, all of you being here, visitors. We want to welcome you in the service. Um, but I, I thought about this and... And uh, as we already said, we were talking in Sunday school about the great responsibility that men of God have today. And, and I'm not sure, you, and I'm not wanting your pity, I'm just telling you this so you'll, if, in case you've not been, I believe most of you pray for me throughout the week, but in case you've not been, I, I will say this, uh, before I became a pastor, uh, I thought I was praying enough for my pastor. After becoming a pastor, I realized I wasn't praying nowhere near enough for that man. Um, it is a, a responsibility that that uh, you sort of, we were talking about trust in Sunday school, and, and you learn and trust, I think Dwayne said, is built up over time. And so over time, you you learn that you, uh, you can trust a friend. Over time, they've proved you enough that you can trust them, and that's the way it is with with trying to preach the word. There, there has to be a level of trust, and so, so oftentimes I'll tell the Lord, if you give me just a little thought, just anything at all, I'll I'll trust you when the time comes. And and that that's not to say it gives us an excuse for not studying. We still have to have to study, but there comes a time where we just have to have to trust the Lord that in the hour of service He'd give us what we need. And I said this a while ago, but God knew who was going to be here long before we ever showed up. He knows every need that's in the house today. I don't. I'm not able to see that. And I'm glad I can't see. Uh, but I do know there are no doubt great needs. And, and we talked a lot in Sunday school about, uh, I thought I might preach on contentment, but I'm probably not going to. It took a different turn. But we did talk about that in Sunday school, about being content. If you can be happy um, without the Lord and and I would say that uh, that on the surface, yes, you can be happy without the Lord. But I will say this. I don't think there's any way you can be content without Him. Uh, there are periods of happiness according to the flesh that you can have. But when it comes to being content, I think that takes the Spirit of the Lord. And so I want you to be happy this morning. And I want you to be content. Uh, there's not a lot that I'm satisfied with 
uh, in life right now. I'm not satisfied with the way our country's being run. I'm not satisfied with, with but there, there are a few things I'm perfectly satisfied in. And I'm satisfied in the blood of our Savior that's able to cleanse and to save and to forgive whosoever will come unto Him. And I want you to be content this morning. And I, I found a, a life lesson along this road of life. And that's, uh, uh, that's when you start questioning things, maybe. I've learned if you can ever get to the place where you're just satisfied, that doesn't mean you still don't aspire and dream and things like that. But if, but if you can say honestly, uh, Lord, if you never bless me with anything else, I'm satisfied right now with what I have. I'm satisfied. I might, might not be the job that I wanted, but I promise you if you get satisfied in the Lord, you'll get satisfied in your work. I promise you if you get satisfied in the Lord, you'll be satisfied in your marriage. you still got to work at it. Uh, but, but we're living in a time when men just run and run, and, and that's because they're never satisfied. The Bible says this, that, the, that, that, that uh, man's eye, hell, and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied on how true that is. Uh, but I'm glad that we can be perfectly satisfied with our salvation. And, and there may be some here today that's trying to question that, and, and maybe I know how Satan works, and, and I was a young Christian one time too, and, and I know how he operates, and I know how... His Spirit will tell you that what you've got is not what, the, and not what salvation is. But, but I hope to clear that up. And, and I want to help you today. And, and so the 22nd chapter of Matthew says, And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, and my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready, coming to the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants, and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all, as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said unto his servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Uh, one verse in Isaiah 61, and it's verse 10. It says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. And that's all the reading that I'm going to read probably. But I thought, and speaking about... Uh, 
Kentucky and Tennessee. The last time we were in Neyland Stadium, it was uh, uh, when we left here, it was 17 degrees. And we got down to Knoxville, and, and Kentucky was there, and, and it was cold, bitter cold, and there was probably 106,000 people there or so. And, and, uh, and me and Michelle was wrapped up in this huge blue blanket right in the middle of a sea of orange. And, and so we stood out. And, and so I mean to ask you today, uh, what are you wearing? Uh, what are you wearing that people uh, perceive? And more importantly, not that men will perceive, but that God will perceive. What, what garment are you standing out from among the world? That's the, that's the desire of God when He saves you, is that He separates you from the world. Uh, we have here a marriage, and Brother Earl talks a lot about inviting people to the house of God and then turning him down. And he'll invite and he'll turn him down. And that's essentially this story here that we just read, this parable of a king that made a marriage feast for his son. He was no doubt proud of his boy. And he made a great feast and invited, sent out formal invitations. But for all that he invited, there was just a few. We get down to the last part that I read there. And it said that many are called, but few indeed are chosen. And so I mentioned a while ago, I've heard Jeff uh, make mention that we are just scattering seed as men of God. But it's our duty. Uh, we are duty bound as men of God to, uh, to just give the invitation to all. And as many will come to this marriage, but, uh, but though many are called, uh, uh, there are indeed but few that are chosen. And what I mean by that is, is that God places that seed in a heart. And by doing that, uh, the Bible said that He's chosen you uh, from all of eternity. Eternity past, He's chosen us. Uh, and you say, preacher, getting into uh, predestination. I'm telling you what the Bible says. Uh, and so, uh, so he, he calls, uh, uh, but there are a few that are chosen. And, and so, uh, we didn't do anything to be chosen this morning. But, uh, but you can rest assured, if, if God ever knocks at your heart, He's He's choosing you, and, and so you need to answer that call. But how about there are things that He's going to begin to question and to begin to look for. So this this wedding feast, it was uh, many were invited, but but just a very few came, and and I believe that broke the king's heart. And, and so today, it, uh, probably if his heart's able to break, I'm sure it breaks the heart of God when uh, when his house isn't filled. And, and so we uh, we still send out that invitation. And to as many as will come. But the Bible said there was yet room. And they took those servants and they treated them spitefully. And that's talking about the Old Testament prophets when God would, He said, I've rose up early and I've sent you men of God. And you treated them shamefully and you treated them spitefully. And they sure did. They killed the prophets. And so they didn't reverence God. They didn't reverence His men. They didn't reverence His Word. They didn't reverence His work. They didn't reverence his ministry and so the king said fine send out your armies and go throughout that place and send destruction 
set their cities on fire. I'm telling you that the day is coming up on planet earth that the Bible says that the elements will melt with a fervent heat. And there's coming a day when the last invitation will ever go out. There's coming a day when God's going to say, that's enough. I've invited and I've invited and they turned me away. One said, let me go to my farm. Another one said, let me go to my merchandise. And so people today come up with all kinds of reasons I'm not to come uh, to this great invitation, uh, but I'm glad the invitation is still there. Uh, it was sent out for them, as Jesus said, uh, after He rose from the dead, and He told His disciples to come and dine. And so that invitation is still there. I thought about a man of God in the Old Testament named Samuel. And Samuel uh, got a vision from God one day. And he said, Samuel, a man uh, by the name of Saul is going to come to your place looking for a couple of his donkeys. And he's going to come to your place and ask your advice. And I've set my hand on this man. And he's going to be the king of Israel. And so he let Samuel know that in advance. And sure enough, the next day, Saul came. Never had met Samuel. But Samuel came out to Saul. And he said, Saul, the donkeys which you saw, they're now safe at home. But he said, God's got something in store for you. And so he told the chef, as they went to a feast, he told the chef that portion that was set aside, he told the chef a day before, I set aside a portion for there's a man of God that's coming. I'm telling you today that God has got a portion prepared for you. If you just come and dine. He's got it set aside just for you this morning. And the invitation goes out to come and dine. And when you look at the, the repercussions of what, what happens to those who refuse the invitation, it's going to be that way. Now the Bible clearly teaches us that, that the field is the world. And the last day the Bible says that we wonder why things are happening. How we wonder why things are the way they are in this world. It's the same as it's always been. An enemy has done that. And an enemy has sold tares in among the wheat. And so there comes a time there has to be a separating. And the men of God and the preachers and the pastors, uh, we're, not, uh, we're not equipped. Uh, no man is equipped uh, to, uh, to draw that separating line. Uh, but that's reserved for the Lord. And according to at least one Scripture, the holy angels. The Bible said He'll call, give the command one day to go and gather My people. But gather all of them. You see, He came. The Lord Jesus Christ came. And when He began to preach, He began to preach for men to repent that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And so that invitation still goes out. How can you be clothed in a wedding garment? You have to first realize that you're filthy. And you must repent. Hey, that, that is a, that is a non-negotiable factor. See, a lot of people today, I think they're dressed in a wedding garment, but they've never repented. And they've come forth and shook a man's hand. And they've, they've come up some other way. And the Bible clearly says all that come another way are thieves and robbers. 
And so the Bible says he, He's going to give a command one day uh, to go and gather my people. Uh, but those tares, uh, He said, let them grow. Uh, let them grow with the wheat. Uh, if you went in and rooted out them, uh, rooted them out now, uh, you'd root up the good with the bad. He said, let both grow together. And then there's going to come a day. He said, I'll send my reapers. I'll send my angels uh, to go gather mine. And the rest that are left are going to be cast up and burned. Now you see, he, uh, the Bible says when he came preaching, it said his fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly uh, purge his threshing floor. It says in one place that, that a separation even must begin at the house of God. That's where it starts. That's where judgment begins. So even in God's house, there has to become a time of separation. Now from those that have truly been born again, and to those who've made a false profession. And that might scare you. I'm not intending to scare you. It might confuse you more. That's certainly not my intention. If you know what the wedding garment is, you can see clearly you might already be wearing it. And so I believe that there are those in the world today who have a true and honest heart. They have repented. And they have been saved. But they're not, they're not satisfied. They don't have that full assurance. And so they wonder, what are they wearing? And so I thought about that question this week. Now, what indeed are you wearing? Are you wearing a wedding garment? Now, what exactly is a wedding garment? Now, this man says, my house is still not full. He said, now go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in and fill my house. I don't know about you, but when God found me, I was just among the highway and the hedges and He compelled me to come in and meet a man. And I'm so glad He did. He come to where I was at and not worthy. Now you see the Jews, I believe, represent that group that He invited first and they refused Him. And when they refused Him, out of necessity, the Gospel then went to the Gentiles. That's us. And I'm glad that that's the plan of God and that all nations should be saved. That all nations should know about this man, Jesus Christ, who died that we might be free. Who died that we might live forever. And so He still sends out that invitation. But men make a sport of it. I thought about how it says in the Word of God, as it was in the days of Noah, as so shall it be also in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. He said they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage and knew not till the flood came and took them all away. And so we're living in the midst of a generation. If the Lord were to come back, they would have no idea until He came and took them all away. How sad is that? Now my friend, if you're, there are people that have slipped in. That's what the apostles even said in the time of their ministry. The apostle Paul cried bitter tears. He said, I know after my departing, Grievous wolves will enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And the Peter said they're deceivers and denying the Lord that bought them. And so we're living in that generation of deception and deceivers. And God has sent out strong delusion and men believe the lie. But you'll notice here there comes a time when all the people are gathered. It was customary in that day. From what I understand, 
for when a wealthy king would have a marriage or a feast, especially if he went out to the highways and the hedges, those people were rapscallions. They didn't have anything and it's fine enough to wear it, but what were they going to wear? And my friend, it was custom at that time for the king or the wealthy man putting on the feast. He would provide a chest of garments. Think about that. For whosoever that would come, he would hand them a garment. And so you have the opportunity before you today. And you may have had it before in the past that the garments of salvation are freely available to you. And so these men and women at the feast, they put them on. And they went in. And they enjoyed. And they enjoyed the festivities. I'm glad when you're wearing the right garment. People that say church is nothing, holds no fun for me. You're not wearing the right garment. Or you're not at the right church one. You see, the Word of God, it should, it should excite you. If you're truly wearing your wedding garments, you'll notice how the Bible says that then there came a time that the king came in. I thought about that. The king then came in and every eye would look at the king and he saw them and they saw him. How important it is as we gather together at the house of God. I know you. some might come to hear the preacher. Some might come to hear the singing. Some might come to pray and to say amen. But my friend, if the king does not enter, it's all worthless. The message is worthless. The songs are worthless. If there's no spirit in them, unless the king makes an appearance, it's all in vain. Every bit. There is nothing that we can do uh, to, uh, to cause him to come except, except just beg him and plead with him. Would you meet with us one more time today? And so the king, I don't have to tell you if the king's present, if you're wearing the right garments, you can feel in your heart whether he's here. I don't have to tell you when he's not here, uh, for I've been in some awfully dry services like that valley of dry bones. Uh, but my friend, there's been a few times uh, in the valley of dry bones uh, when Ezekiel began to command the wind uh, and bone came to bone and the Spirit came in and He breathed upon them. Oh, there's been times in the house of God God has literally just breathed out into its midst. And boy, them times are good, ain't they? I mean, there's nothing like them. There's nothing. Uh, that ball game is wonderful. It was the Washington. Exciting. There's not a feeling like the Spirit of the Lord. There's just not. It's unmatched. Uh, nothing can satisfy in this life. Have you ever felt that? If you've ever felt that, you're wearing a wedding garment. Uh, now, my friend, if, it, if the Word of God excites you, but we're living in a time when when the Word of God doesn't excite people. Now, we're living in a time when, uh, when sadly, uh, seemingly lots of people could care less whether the king ever made an appearance or not. How sad is that? Church houses are full today of people going through the motions of a worthless, vain religion because there's no spirit there. There's no depth there. And when there's no spirit, I would say there's no salvation. There has to be a spirit of God in order to work in the heart of them that are lost. And so that's our earnest desire. The king came in. And the king began to look around. And just as Michelle and I in Neyland Stadium wrapped up in blue, he saw one man that stood out from the rest. And you can rest assured, 
If there's just one, God will find you. If there's just one sinner in the midst, God will seek you out. He'll point you out. He'll know exactly who you are. And He'll know where you are. He'll know what you are. Now you see, there was a time, the first time I went to an altar, I really did, I guess, think I'd been saved. And nobody deceived me, and nobody told me that. But I thought because I went to the altar, other people got saved. And I thought maybe I did too. Come to find out. How do you know that, preacher? How did you know you weren't wearing the wedding garment? Because there was no change in me. There wasn't. I felt nothing different than the man that I was. And so the next time I went, I did get saved. And I had the Spirit. He clothed me and I was written Isaiah. Now He clothed me with a robe of righteousness, with the garment of salvation. You see, then there was a change. If you still run with the same crowd, committing the same sins, and don't feel bad about it, if you don't weep over sin, if you love sin today, and you love the sinful way, you've not got on a wedding garment. But if sin grieves at your heart, because you know it's a front to God, and because of all the goodness that He's then chances are you are wearing a wedding garment. And you see, God's people are different. There's the Spirit that resides. It's not always the Spirit that'll make tears fly. It's not always the Spirit that'll lift you up and exalt you. But it's the Spirit sometimes that just teaches you the right way from the wrong way. There's a Spirit that will convict you on. And if you don't have that conviction, when you sin according to the Word of God, you're bastards and you're not sons. And therefore, you don't have on a wedding garment. But my friend, if God firmly chastises you, you can rest assured you're one of His. I'm telling you that to try and clear up somebody that may be doubting this morning. I don't know your heart. But if you know what the wedding garment is, then you'll know if you're wearing it. And chances are there may be somebody that's wearing it and just don't realize it. But this man... I don't. I think this man. I, I don't think this. Uh, there's nothing wrong with self-examination. Uh, Satan will wear you out uh, because you question and because you doubt. Uh, I'd rather have somebody. You see, the man in this, he wasn't worried a bit. That's the difference. Uh, he didn't have on a wedding garment, and it didn't concern him one bit. You see, the lost, they're not concerned with the things of the Lord. It don't bother them. Until the king looked at him. And the king walked over to him and he said, How did you come in here? How did you? Sadly, we try to police as Baptists. That's why we, we affirm and require that you give a testimony in order to gain membership to our churches. Now, we require a time and a place or, or a time or uh, we require you to tell us your testimony about when God touched you and made that change in you. And we try our best to police that. Uh, but nevertheless, over the course of time, in some of our churches, uh, some, uh, some slip in. And so there has to be a division. And God went to this man. You see, how do you know your life will play out? Uh, you can trust. That's what I want to get to. Uh, you can trust God today. 
Somebody's asked me before, why would God do that? Why would God tell me I'm saved? Why would He let me feel His Spirit and then take it away and then me down and me we wonder what people have asked me that question. You know what? God would never do that. Not ever. If He's ever, if He's ever graced you with His holy presence, He'll never leave. I know there are times it feels like He has. Now, there are times that uh, you feel like, where are you, God? Now, there are times and Satan will stir that up in you. That doesn't mean you're not in a wedding garment. That doesn't mean you're not saved. Now, self-examination is a big part of the Christian life. And so when you examine yourself, Paul said, and see whether you be in the faith or not. And so there's a Spirit that will... Take you back to a time and place. At least, I'm just telling you what He did for me. Now, when I was young, and the devil would tell me as soon as I got saved, He said, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. And I'll say, well, I went back to that spot a million times over. And it's always good to go back to the Bethel, to go back to that place. And I'll tell Him, moreover, my life has not been the same. You see, suddenly my desires changed. Uh, suddenly, I had a desire uh, to serve the Lord. Uh, suddenly, lost people don't have that desire. You see the difference. If you have a wedding garment, you're going to want to serve the King. You're going to want to be where He's at. You're going to want to be in His midst. Uh, somebody that's lost could care less if God ever showed up in His church or not. But see, if you're wearing a wedding garment, you, there's one thing, the feast is good, the singing's good, the preaching's good. Now, there are times that, that everything can be good and in order, but you still long for that King to make an appearance. And so that you have that desire, you have that longing for the glory of God to fall. One more time. And so you know by that you are in a wedding garment. But He came to this man and He said, how did you get in? Sadly, some do slip through the cracks from time to time. As much as we try to guard against it, but you can be sure. And you can be sure. This man, he cared nothing about the things of God. He was offered a garment when he came in. And instead, you know what he did? He went in with his filthy rags. There's lots of people today in the house of God that are coming in with filthy rags of their own righteousness and they're not taking the robe of garment and the garment of praise and salvation that's offered to them. They'll not get into glory on their own filthy rags. But this man defied the king. He defied his orders. He looked around and he said, "How do you know?" I can remember when I was when I was first saved. I would look around and see if I had what they had. If their if their if their spirits would link up, and they did. And I knew I had exactly what they had. Hey, you see, that's that's the way the spirit works. He's not going to knock you out of your seat all the time. But there's a spirit of connection between Father, Son, and Bride through the church of the living God. There's a spiritual connection there. And so he said, how did you get in here? And then the man was speechless. You see, there's coming a day when every heart shall be revealed. And we are all naked unto the eyes of Him that know it all. And there comes a day when indeed there must be a separation. This man had dared come into the presence of this king unclothed, 
but in His filthy rags. There are men today that would dare come in before the King of Kings with no garment of salvation. What is that garment of salvation? It's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the simplest way I can put it. It's the blood that makes an atonement for your soul. It's the garment that you wear that bears the blood of Christ. And so there, that garment can be a lot of different things. It can be grace. It can be, it can be love. It can be all kinds of things. But there are certain qualifications that you must possess if you have on the wedding garment. And if you don't possess any of those, I would say you're in your sin. If you possess those, I can't tell you your heart. But I would ask you to search out the time and place. If there's ever, ever been a time in your life and you're praying that you felt God touched you, I would say, my friend, you can trust God with your soul. If you're here today and you don't have on a wedding garment, let me point you to the one who has the wardrobe. Is Jesus Christ. He can clothe you. There's coming a day of great separation. There's coming a day, and you know that man had no defense. He said, how did you come in here? And so there's coming a day when God will take His, His, uh, His threshing instrument and begin to purge His own church and His threshing floor. His fan is in His hand. And my friend, He's going to begin to purge. And then He's going to go out into the highways and hedges and begin to purge and begin to destroy and begin to bind in bundles and burn in hell forever and ever those that have not on the wedding garment. And this man was speechless. You might think there's a lot of people that think themselves tough. Think themselves in ten foot tall and bulletproof. My friend, you come into the presence of one so holy and you won't have a word to say. You'll stand there ashamed because the salvation, that garment had been offered to you and you turned it down and instead went in and died in your nakedness and in your sin. And so people come in church Sunday after Sunday. They take the sacraments. They take the Lord's Supper. And they do the baptisms. And they do the sacraments of their religion. And they know the catechisms. But they have not a wedding garment. How sad that is. How are you dressed today? What are you wearing? Do you have on that garment of salvation? If you do, you are one of His. And you need not let Satan trouble you anymore about that. If you like, if you like, if you like all of those qualifications, then I would say you're filthy and in your sin. And I don't know your heart. You say, preacher, that's, that's as straight as I know how to shoot with you today. You see, there were, there were uh, and are today some goats among the sheep. There are some unclothed people amidst the clothed church. And so I don't know your heart today. But I do know how the devil works. And I do know that there are times, at least he did with me, especially when I was young especially when I was still trying to feel Him out. Before He had really proved Himself to me that I could trust Him. That it takes a period of that. Do you trust what God's done for you? Do you trust the death on the cross? Do you trust the blood covenant? Do you trust the blood that cleans you? Because I can promise you, nobody 
Nobody that puts their hope and their faith and their trust and repentance in the blood of the Lamb ever winds up in hell. Not one. Not one. You either have the garment on or you don't. And I don't know your heart this morning, but I do know that there are times, especially when I was a young Christian, that the devil would make me think I didn't have it on. But as I begin to take stock and take inventory, do a self-examination according to the Word of God and listening to the man of God, studying the Word of God, praying unto the Lord in heaven, I realized I could trust what He done for me. That every time I asked Him, He would take me back to that same place. And I finally looked down and said, you know what? Satan's a liar. I'm clothed with a garment of salvation. But I was young. I wouldn't. I didn't grow up Baptist. I didn't have. I didn't have a lot of this to lean on. I, I had. A, I had some. Uh, some. I, I grew up in a church where they believed in being born again. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but as far as a lot of assurance, a lot of the people I grew up around, I grew up around thinking that you could put on the wedding garment, take it off, put it on, take it off, have salvation, lose it. That's not so. After I grew, after I gained knowledge, after I could trust Him more, I realized if He ever clothes you in that garment, it's yours forever. It's not ever coming off. You had Brother Mike put on Facebook last night, and no man shall pluck you out of His hands. You're safe in the arms of the Lord. And you can trust Him with your soul. I hope I've not caused more confusion. It's my heart's desire to clear up any doubt or confusion that you might have. There may be somebody among us fully clothed in a wedding garment. I just don't know it. I say, preacher, how could you not know? I mean, they know something happened. There's not a doubt in my mind. You could ask them and they'd say, well, I felt something happened. I've had people tell me that. And I'll say, well, what would you take to that experience? What if we just erase, no, 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 preacher, I couldn't get rid of that. There's something there then. You understand? You can trust Him with your salvation. That's our message. Come ahead with a song if any of you...